This is Pure Murders and Mysteries. Let's talk murder. Welcome everyone to Pure Murders and Mysteries. I am Brad and with me is Lindy. Hello. Thanks for coming back and tuning in. Last week was our very first episode and we tackled the controversial case of the Mickey Bryan murder. This week we're going to talk a little bit about Jeffrey Dahmer. Before we cross that crime scene tape though, we want everybody to know that Pure Murders and Mysteries is brought to you by PureFandom.com. Pure Fandom is filled with some amazing writers who bring out the latest information on your favorite movie or TV fandoms. Also, please keep in mind this episode deals with true crime, violence, adult topics, and may not be suitable for all listeners. Now that we have that taken care of, let's talk murder. Yes, thank you, Brad. And you may notice that we're missing a person today, Jasmine, but she'll be back with us next week, so not to worry. Before we spend a full-length episode diving into Brad's wild theory about Jeffrey Dahmer, which is coming soon, we promise, we thought we'd do a lead-up chat and talk about Dahmer before we really tackle the deeper stuff. That way we can super analyze Brad's theory even better. So most people already know all the basics about Jeffrey Dahmer, so we wanted to take things a step further and dissect some lesser-known facts about this prolific serial killer. Brad and I found a really wonderful article. I think we got it in our email from the lineup. Mm-hmm. And it was about, it was 10 little known facts about Jeffrey Dahmer. And it kind of inspired us to do this episode. So we're going to take some of the most interesting little tidbits. Tidbit seems like a really weird word to use for this episode. We're going to dive into those. So the full article from the lineup will be on purefandom.com. We also got a lot of information from a website called The Richest who also did a Dahmer Facts article, and that's going to be on Pure Fandom as well. But for those of you who may not be as familiar with him, we're going to give you a short crash course into who Jeffrey Dahmer is before we break down all of our facts. Brad, do you want to tell us all about this psycho? Yep. Dahmer was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1960. We'll elaborate more about his childhood later on this episode, but for now, just know that he was a bizarre kid. While a lot of people from his past were surprised to learn he was a necrophilia, cannibal, rapist, and serial killer, others saw early signs of just how sick he really was. He liked playing with the carcasses of dead animals and collecting bones and taxidermy. Well, taxidermy is a weird thing in its own, so that's... I always get amazed about how taxidermists do their stuff, but it always just creeps me out because it's like you're taking a dead critter and stuffing it. (laughs) I know. And okay, I don't have anything against taxidermy, but now every time I think of it, I just think of, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. I think of Norman Bates. And so now it just has a bad connotation. In yeah, my brain. It, it's just, it's, we, it's a weird thing. I mean, I get it. I mean, people like to display stuff, but it's always, that thing was alive one time and now you, somebody skinned it and put it over a foam thing. It's taxidermy. It's weird, but then there's also I, I I'm not gonna get dive into the whole taxidermy thing because because there's some really bizarre stuff in taxidermy too. So creating weird animals. Anyhow, <laughs> let's jump back on to Dahmer here. While he never hurt any family pets, he did impale some frogs on sticks and collect roadkill. So there's that. Like I said, weird stuff. 
So let's fast forward to his adult life when he let his fantasies loose. According to Biography.com, Dahmer sought out men, mostly African-American, at gay bars, malls, and bus stops, lured him home with a promise of money and sex, and gave them alcohol, laced with drugs, before strangling them to death. He would then engage in sex acts with the corpses before dismembering them and disposing of them, often keeping their skulls or genitals as survivors. He frequently took pictures of his victims at various stages of the murder process so he would recollect each so he could recollect each act after it afterward and relive relive the experience. And that's really just skimming the surface because he did a lot of other messed up crap to his victims, but that would take hours and hours to go through. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, he did a lot of bad stuff, as we know. I mean, it not sane stuff. And a lot of it he had some serious issues going on. So over he did, a, and if, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say if you don't know much about him and his murders, just Google Jeffrey Dahmer sex zombies and that will also take you down an interesting path. Yes it will. A lot of interesting paths. Over a thirteen year span, Dahmer murdered seventeen men that have been confirmed he was finally caught in 1991, even though he arguably should have been apprehended much sooner and sentenced to 16 life sentences. He was killed in 1994 by another inmate, bludgeoned to death, but we'll talk more about that later in fact number 10. He's definitely one of the most well-known serial killers out there, and not just for the number of people that he killed, but for what he did to them. He dismembered victims and kept their body parts as souvenirs. He used bones to create an altar, kept jars of severed penises, and had heads in his refrigerator. He was a true monster. He was disgusting. So this all just scratches the surface of Jeffrey Dahmer's story, but the main focus of the episode is on about 10 Jeffrey Dahmer facts that we found that aren't as widely discussed. So we're going to lay these 10 out for you, and you can see if you know these or not. Are you a true Jeffrey Dahmer aficionado? So... Let's dive right in with number one. Number one, Dahmer had a hernia surgery. At four years old, Dahmer underwent surgery for a double hernia repair. According to his father, Dahmer started out as a happy, engaged child, but all that changed around the time of his hernia surgery at the age of four. From that point on, he became more withdrawn and introvert. He found strangers intimidating and often avoided engaging with them. He rarely smiled. While... Some people have blamed the surgery. Others said it couldn't directly affect his behavior that way and suggest he may have been underdiagnosed with Asperger's syndrome or was at least somewhere on the autism spectrum. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I think that that's, I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but I really doubt that the hernia surgery changed him. I think that he was undiagnosed for a lot of things. Yeah, I don't see the hernia surgery as being something that went and did anything to him. The only thing possible in the hernia surgery that could have done something is, uh, you know, he was giving some cocktail of drugs during the surgery and some imbalance happened because of that nature. But I don't see that as being a a cause for him to go off the wall. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know about that one. Um, okay, number two. Dahmer's mother, Joyce, suffered from mental illness. A lot of people talk about Dahmer's parents, who are Joyce and Lionel, and how they were constantly fighting. It was really bad in the household sometimes. But Joyce's struggle with mental illness is not as commonly discussed. So apparently she was taking pills a, 
a lot, I guess, for depression and also morning sickness while she was pregnant with Jeffrey. The morning sickness pills that she was taken were later discovered to have caused birth defects, but that wasn't a medical, that they didn't make that discovery until later. So she is also said to have suffered from postpartum with both of her pregnancies. Um, Jeffrey has a younger son named David, and she was reportedly really strange with Jeffrey as a baby. She didn't let other people, even family members, really touch him, and she was very anxious during this time in her life. Um, some people claim that Joyce alienated Jeffrey as a baby and didn't show him proper affection. She also reportedly spent time in a mental institution sometime after Jeffrey's younger brother, David, was born. And I say reportedly a lot here because a lot of things are not confirmed with Joyce. So Joyce does not do interviews. She has not given a lot of statements. And in her defense, um, she says that Lionel, the father, has exaggerated her issues with mental illness a lot. So they got divorced when Jeffrey was 18. Lionel has had, he has had a lot of interviews with the press, and we'll talk more about that later, but Joyce has not. And so she says that Lionel exaggerates a lot. And really, in her defense, a lot of people bring up her mental illness and say that, you know, it's what caused Jeffrey to become what he became, which isn't true. It may have played a role in shaping him, but Jeffrey was born with screws loose. Somebody is not a serial killer only because of that. I mean, I don't know. Brad, what do you think about that? Well, the only thing I have on this one with Joyce, I don't think that her, well, her mental illness could have played a part in it, but we don't know exactly, you know, like you said, Lionel exaggerated a lot of her issues. So if we look at the fact that she was taking pills for depression and morning sickness while she was pregnant with Jeff, there's a lot going on with that part, too. Because, you know, back in the day, in the 60s and all that, you know, like in the 50s and everything, you got problems, hey, it's smoke cigarettes. They're good for you. They help, you know, fix everything. So there could be a tie-in there with some whatever pills she was taking could have lingered into effect with, you know, the development of the child in the womb, Right which could have caused some, like, born with screws loose. They were already there. It was just another bit that kind of added on to everything. Yeah. I think it's always a balance of nature versus nurture when it comes to serial killers. And in in Dahmer's case here, I mean, some articles really put the blame on Joyce, which I don't think is right. And And we're not really going into a lot of details about Jeffrey's childhood here. Um, but yeah, he didn't have the most normal childhood. A lot of people don't have normal childhoods and they don't end up serial killers. I mean, he was already pre preconditioned to becoming what he became and he exhibited warning signs very early on. So that's important. But we, we also know that when, uh, babies are not allowed contact with other people, Mm -hmm. bad things happen to those kids. Yes. They, it seriously screws them up. I mean, because if you, there's been massive studies on that. We've seen it from, you know, and uh, there was some study that was in Russia and, uh, with all these kids that were in the foster uh, facilities, how they did not react. They were all kind of, a lot of them were a little on the psycho side. I mean, honestly, because they didn't have normal interactions with people or, you know, that loving touch or anything like that. And it really can affect kids when they're growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that all three of us have talked before and we're going to do an episode in the future all about the science behind serial killers because it's so, it's very 
very fascinating. And Dahmer is is a really good case study in all of that, too. Right, definitely. So number three, Dahmer may have been molested at age eight. This is reported by Lionel, his father, and Dahmer actually says this didn't happen. But Lionel swears that in 1968, a new family moved to the area and the kid molested Jeffrey. Ten years later, Dahmer killed his first victim. It would have happened when the family lived in Bath Township, Ohio, but the name and the age of the alleged neighbor boy who molested Jeffrey was never provided, and if it did happen, his father, who supposedly knew, never reported it to the police. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note, Dahmer always maintained that that never happened. I mean, do we trust him? I don't know, but it's a weird situation, and there isn't a whole a lot of information out there about this. All right. Yeah. So it's hard to say. I don't trust what he said, but that's just me. Okay. Fun, I guess not so fun fact. Number four, Jeffrey was left to live alone at age 18. And he wasn't a very stable 18-year-old. So when Dahmer was 18, his parents officially divorced. He was of legal age, but his parents fought for custody of the youngest son, David, who was 12 years old at the time, I believe. So both parents moved out of the family house and Dahmer was left to live there alone. He hadn't finished, he hadn't graduated high school at this time either. He committed his first murder in that house just a few days before his 19th birthday. So there's a lot about his childhood, but Dahmer has brought it up before how, you know, he saw them fighting over David, but then he was just left to live alone in this house. And I think he felt kind of, unwanted but who knows what the true situation is in this first murder that he did um if you're not aware the the man's name or young man's name was stephen mark hicks he was a hitchhiker and at this time Dahmer was already fantasizing about murder and all this crazy stuff so he picked this hitchhiker stephen hicks up lured him back to the house they got drunk and then he murdered him and that was actually kind of his mo from that point on, getting people drunk and then committing his his act of murder. So, yeah, that was it. I mean, that's the first one that he took out. He kind of bludgeoned him to death with a ten pound dumbbell and strangled him. So, there's another article that I was reading about the killing of Stephen Hicks, where it said, you know, he bludgeoned Hicks from behind with a ten pound dumbbell and then strangled him to death, and then states he then stripped Hicks naked and masturbated on his lifeless corpse. So we know that Dahmer has some serious issues. It kind of makes sense that he would probably end up doing that. After he killed Hicks, he took him into the crawl space of his house and began dissecting the body. He also removed the bones, smashed them to powder, and dissolved the flesh with acid. What was left would not be found by the police for like three more years, I believe, when the forensic seems. So, yeah, there was a lot of... A lot of stuff happened with that one. He started off hardcore. You know, some people, they, like, test the waters. But he started out, like, wow. Yeah. You have to realize he had been fantasizing about this stuff. I can't remember what age it was, but I think it was, like, 12 or 14 or something that he started really, like, thinking about these things. And he finally, just, like, the perfect cocktail of, of the situation for him, he finally just snapped and did it and... And boy, did he do it. Yeah, in this in this case, I mean, he went straight out for the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't a simple, oh, okay, I killed somebody, got a rush out of it and all this. No, this was a full-on, a lot of stuff going down the line afterwards, you know. Yeah, and you, and you have to realize, too, before he did this, he was playing with 
dead animals and he was bleaching their bones and he was practicing different taxidermy techniques and ways to handle dead animals and stuff. So he was already aware of disposal techniques and, you know, ways to kill. So he, he, he was ready. Yeah. He, he was there. Number five, he drank all day in high school. Well, I did drink all day in high school. We did, that was after in the orange groves. Oh, never mind. That was me. Um, <laughs> Dahmer started drinking alcohol early in life, and by the time high school rolled around, he was actually boozing it up in school. He wasn't considered stupid, but he didn't take school seriously, only getting average grades. That's also me. However, he did play <laughs> tennis and spent a year in the school band. I was in band for four years. But <laughs> by graduation, he was a full-blown alcoholic, though. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it happens in school. People drink in school. Oh, yeah. I mean, I brought alcohol to school. Sorry, Mom and Dad. I drank during school. I was not a great student. I got okay grades. Um, so this alone is not weird, but I did not do number six. Fact number six, Jeffrey Dahmer drew chalk outlines of bodies at the high school. So... This is a quote from the richest article. After Dahmer was arrested for murder, a high school friend said that they had a Dahmer fan club at school egging on the young and often wasted Dahmer to pull pranks. Classmates say he was strange, but they didn't realize just how strange he was until he started drawing chalk outlines of imaginary bodies on the floor. So anyways, Brad, did you do this, though? No, I did not do that. Okay, so that's the difference then. Yeah, that's that's a little bit different. I did not do any of that stuff. I was writing horror uh, short stories in high school, and my English teacher, while she did like them, she did say, wow, these are kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I went on and kept writing. It was fine. It was all good. It all worked out. Um, yeah, you're good. Yeah, so mm, you no know, chalk outlines for me. Number seven, he served as a combat medic. Number seven, he served as a combat medic in the Army. Now, from 1979 to from 1979 to 1981, Dahmer was stationed in West Germany. He was discharged because of his alcoholism, but he got an honorable discharge. So there's that. You know, it kind of works. Yes, it's all fine then, right? Yeah, that's back in the day. Things like that happen. It's like, yeah, I'll let you do it. Dahmer would probably drink at the barracks during his military service, and he would tell others about his first murder victim, Stephen Hicks, who he had killed just a year before, and they're like. Dude, you didn't do that. You know, the most of them, they didn't believe that he did it, you know, because he was was drunk. He was getting drunk all the time. Now, this is where things are really bad. And we're going to talk about this probably at some other point, too. I'll go into it a little bit more. His roommate in the Army was Billy Capshaw. And he was basically a Dahmer survivor. This guy went through so much trauma that he literally had a block out of what happened to him for almost, you know, until 2009, basically, when he was 50. That's when his memory about the incident started coming back to him. When he saw a therapist who specialized in uh, military sexual trauma. And he was roomed with Dahmer. Every time that Dahmer would drink is when everything went bad with him. Once he started drinking, he became a monster. And just literally tormented this guy. He had this guy, he sexually abused him. He would tie him up. He locked him in his um, room for like weeks at a time. What? And yeah, and he was basically tortured 
beaten and tied to his bed over two years. Now, what he says about him, he says, you know, Dahmer seemed like a likable person because he had a certain amount of charisma, but within days, he just kind of went to start controlling Billy by all these various means. He was physically beat him when he, Billy complained to the authorities. He was told that, you know, he was basically a pussy and he had to suck it up because that was back in the the time of, you know, in the military when, yeah, dude, you're you're getting beat up. Just, you know, do it. He, nothing was taken seriously. Now, we know things have changed since then. Everything's a lot different in the military nowadays. It's, you know, vastly different from when I was in the military in the 90s, uh, late 80s, mm-hmm. 90s. And so nothing was taken seriously for, about Billy's um, abuse from Dahmer. The thing is, though, Dahmer controlled the only key to the room and would lock Capshaw inside of it. And he also arranged for Billy not to get his mail from his family. At one point, he was listed AWOL, even though he had not left the base because he was locked in the room. Hmm. And he said every time that he came in the room, it was a Dr. Heck, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moment. And it depended if he was, you know, drunk or not. And basically he would beat him so badly that he would stop, he would beat him more to stop him from screaming, you know? What? And it, yeah, basically it was, it's a nightmare looking up anything on uh, Billy Capshaw. It's just what this guy went through is insane. He actually went through this whole part thought about trying to kill him and thought about killing himself because of it. Really? Okay, so you're teaching me a lot because I did not know a lot about Billy Capshaw. Do you personally believe what Billy Capshaw says? Oh, I, to- I totally believe what Billy Capshaw but- says. So you being in the military and everything, how could this go on without anybody knowing? Because they didn't pay any attention to it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the military. And there was stuff that went on in the military in the 90s, which even with like hazing and stuff like that, that you don't do now. I mean, you know, beating the wow. shit out of each other, basically just tying people to the, to the chairs and red belling and stuff like that. I mean, there is stuff that went on that isn't paid attention to. And it's new, mm-hmm. even though like the sexual abuse and stuff like that, that's always been a big thing, but it really hasn't been addressed. And now it's a big issue. I mean, now everything is addressed, but back in the day, it wasn't, as much of a thing. I mean, it was there, but it was all guys mostly is not as integrated as you know, the military is now with men and women. So right. I, it, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of rambling, but as there's a lot that went on that yeah. people would just go, yeah, it's whatever. Boys will be boys basically. Yeah. And, and it's it. interesting because it seems like this is about the time this, this really shows the control part of the process that Dahmer liked because he's, technically categorized as a hedonistic lust killer, Jeffrey Dahmer is. And yes, the lust and the sex and the fetish and all of that is a part of his MO, but it also comes down to control, Mm -hmm. which I guess you can see pretty clearly here in this situation with Billy Capshaw. So that's quite interesting. Right. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. And like you said, Billy went to try to say something about it and nothing was done. And mm-hmm. I honestly saw something like, well, not that same case, but I, when I was in the military, I, you know, things were said that nothing ever changed, basically. Mm-hmm. And okay. things are, it's just how, you know, not my Navy was basically one of the <laughs> key phrases before, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff in the military that things are so much better now. 
but in the old days, a lot of stuff happened. I could go on and on about things that happened when I was in the military that don't happen now, even mm-hmm. though I think one of them should. But that's just oh. me. But then it falls under like a hazing thing, which is just totally different. Whatever. I'll talk about that more important time. Yeah, I come from a military family. My dad's in the military. Um, my dad's in the army. My sister's in the army. She's like West Point captain in the army or major, and she's whatever. But they don't talk about that kind of stuff with me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But uh, that's very interesting. Now I'm going to go down the Billy Capshaw rabbit hole. Okay, you um, should do that. Okay, so let's go to fact number eight, which is that Lionel Dahmer, his father, has a book about his son. This is one that if you know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer, you probably already know this one. It's a book called A Father's Story, and Lionel wrote it in 1994, which is about, I think this is three years after Dahmer's arrest, which really isn't that long um, to have a book published. It's a memoir that dives into Jeffrey's childhood, and it kind of follows Lionel as he's trying to explain why his son maybe turned out the way he did. It has good reviews, and people say that it's really insightful. And if you're interested in Dahmer, I would suggest reading it. Now, I haven't personally read it because I don't know how I feel about supporting it because I think it's odd that a father would start writing this book so close after Dahmer was arrested and put it – I don't know. It almost feels like a publicity stunt to me, and I have a hard Mm -hmm. time supporting it. Have you read it, Brad? I have not read it, and I feel the same thing on that. It's like this is a – kind of quick turnaround time to be doing that. So why did you write it? You know, it's just, (laughs) it's a little bit unsettling about, you know, him doing the whole entire book. I know. And it makes me kind of question his credibility. If it's a me, if it's a publicity stunt, which I'm not saying it necessarily is, then for me, it questions his credibility, but also Joyce having said before that Lionel has exaggerated about things that have happened also kind of make me question it. Right. But I think I'll read it just to read it. But if you read it, um, just kind of take it with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is true and accurate and really good. But just keep an open mind about maybe what his intentions were. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but it's suspicious to me. Well, from what I understand about this one, the book is more about Lionel than it is about his son. Okay. And basically, he's trying to do a self-analysis and revelation of what happened and how his son became a mass murderer. I still, there's stuff in there. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I go with you. I, I'm not sure what to think on that because we know what Joyce has said, you know, he exaggerates things. So. Right. And even Jeffrey has said that things that his father has said are not true, not just with the eight year, the molestation claim. Um, and I'm not saying Jeffrey is a reliable person, but. I don't know. I, I question it, but if you're interested in, in that book, it's called A Father's Story. Yep. Take a look. Let us know what you think. All right. Number nine. Items from his murder apartment were supposed to be auctioned off. Well, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Post-capture, things like Dahmer's and Famous Fridge were set to be auctioned off. Naturally, people took issue with that. What eventually happened was Joseph Ziebler, a local real estate developer and other local business people raised $407,000 in order to stop the auction and destroy the items instead. The money was split between 11 of the victim's family. Which is the right thing to do. Right, but murderbilia is a big thing. Oh, yeah. And when I found this, I didn't actually know this because, I mean, I guess I never had researched it. 
but and I don't know exactly what all of the items were. I I read it and I didn't write them all down. I just you know people kept talking about the fridge, um, but people were pissed, and so local businesses and stuff just started raising money to kind of take over the situation and stop it from happening, and everything got destroyed. I mean, it is what it is. I'm just glad the money went to the victims' families, but right. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, literally, uh, I'm just there's. Uh, was super not a true uh, true crime collectibles. I mean, you can go in here and get you know stuff from you know people who are murderers and stuff like that. Everything out there, uh, birth certificates. Um, I'm looking up to see if I find anybody. David, Brad, jo- do you this? Do you own these things? I do not. Okay. Uh, David Joseph Carpenter death row photo signed. Literally stuff like <laughs> you know. Yeah, Susan Atkins signed a letter from the Manson family. You know, things like this. It's, they're all here. Um, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, Ted Bundy probably has his own whole entire section oh. here. He has, like, a fan club. But, like, a lot of these notorious murderers and serial killers have fans. And I I understand wanting to have the memorabilia and being interested in them. I mean, we're interested in them. We're devoting a bunch of time talking about them. It's interesting. Um, but I have mixed feelings about spending money to own things like Jeffrey Dahmer's refrigerator. Uh, let's see. A 1993 letter from Jeffrey Dahmer envelopes both sets are signed for $3,200. You can have that. <gasps> yeah. What? There's some crazy stuff in here. There's, uh, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmer chapel services signed for $2,200. All sorts of crazy stuff in here. If you want to buy it, you can. It's there. I, th- <laughs> Yeah. Brad, I don't think you should have told people this. I don't. It's crazy. I mean, it literally just a happy birthday card from Jeffrey Dahmer for $6,500 to marry. I don't. I don't want anyone to spend that amount of money on it, okay? I, I understand if you would like these things. I just, unless you are a collector and you have the money, I don't want the average person to save their wages to buy that. No, okay? no, I doubt at all. It's just, hey, why would you do that? Now, a lot of it's, a lot of stuff on this site that I'm just scanning through at the moment is just like letters and stuff like that for sale. Because they got yeah. stuff from Charlie Manson, which is just totally weird and oddball off the wall anyhow. But it's yeah. out there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can buy, a lot of stuff that are auctioned off. It happens. It's a thing. Okay, we're not judging you out there, but if you spend $6,000 on something, then we are judging yeah, you. Yeah, don't do it. You're, you're weird. Don't do it. You're weird. Okay. Uh, okay. Our our last fact, number 10. Um, his behavior in prison may surprise you. Here's the thing. A lot of people report and say that Jeffrey Dahmer was very, how would you say it? He was repentant. He was apologetic after his arrest. You know, he was sick. He was mentally sick. But he portrayed himself as being... Uh, very sorry for what he did. However, his fellow inmates, they say differently. The guy who actually killed him in prison, because he was killed by another inmate, his name was Christopher Scarver. He said that some people who are in prison are repentant, but he, Dahmer, was not one of them. He told the media of Dahmer's brutal and unapologetic taunts to other inmates. Scarver said in an interview that Dahmer used to fashion limbs out of prison food, applying ketchup on places to represent blood, which is just freaking disgusting. And I found that on a couple different um, sites, so I'm pretty sure that that is true. He said that people did not like Dahmer's creepy sense of humor and that he sort of played with his persona to exaggerate it and make people more fearful, which... 
he could have had reasons for doing that, but I have a feeling he was just a total creep in pr- prison. So Scarborough didn't interact much with Dahmer, um, but of course he knew about him. Everybody knew about him, and he actually had a newspaper clipping all about the story of Dahmer and everything he had done. So Scarver was tasked with cleaning a bathroom one day with Dom- Dahmer and another inmate. They were unshackled and left unattended, which I think happens often. And Scarver confronted Dahmer, asking him to confirm all of the gross stuff that he had done from that he had read about in this article. The confrontation did not go well, and Scarver ended up bashing his head in, bashing Dahmer's head in with a metal bar from the weight room and killed him. Why did he have a metal weight bar from the weight room? I'm not really sure. Scarver said to the media that he thinks the guards actually left them un- unattended on purpose. But then again, he also killed the other inmate right after that because he had made him mad. So he was kind of a psycho. Um, but yeah, the story of Jeffrey Dahmer's behavior and the kind of person that he is doesn't always align with what the media says and what Dahmer says and then with what his fellow inmates say. Well, you know, there are th- certain things that happen in prison. If Why do they have things? Well, the guards look the other way. I could see that happening. People don't like other people. You know, he had a reputation. He was somebody who shouldn't be alive. And, you know, that's why they separate a lot of people in prison. Because if you're a, a pedophile, yeah, they'll mess you up in gen pop. Yeah. But why do you think... I think it's interesting that this guy had a metal bar from the weight room. Like, where the hell did he get that from? And why was he allowed to be walking around with it? Where did that come from? I think it was just probably placed there. Like, I mean, honestly, somebody decided, you know what? He's got to go. And it, it just got, it got, he didn't, he wasn't carrying it around. Somebody got it to that spot for him and he knew it was there. Oh my God. It's, it's like, how, it's like everything that happens in prison. There's a lot of stuff that goes down in prison you know, that inmates do stuff. I mean, there's groups, you know, you have your, your groups that you're in with and things get passed around. It's like, how do drugs get in prison? There's a whole system of, you know, black market stuff that happens in prison. So the idea mm-hmm. of this bar being there, they knew they were going to be there. I mean, it could have been a guard that helped them out. It yeah. could have been another prisoner. It could have just been something. People are murdered on, in prison on a on a daily basis. Well, not probably. I don't know if it's daily, but it happens a lot. You know, and you can get shivved for just doing nothing. So, who helped them? I don't know who helped them, but it's there were other people into it, definitely. Oh yeah, and Scarver also said that he he claimed that the guards more intentionally helped him and let it happen. So right. I don't know what he's really saying there, but. I mean, anything's possible, I guess. Dahmer was a freaking sick dude. And if he was making limbs out of, like, mashed potatoes and bread rolls and then putting ketchup on it, then, I don't know. People probably didn't like that very much. So based on that, because I know that you have some different feelings about Jeffrey Dahmer than I do, sort of, what kind of, do you think he was ever repentant? Do you think he was ever sorry for what he did, or do you think it was an act? What would you say about his mental state and kind of the way he was portraying himself after he was caught? You know, I don't think he was repentant about what he was doing. I think it was more or less an act on stuff. He wasn't sorry for whatever he killed. You know, I I just think he was caught. He just kind of went with it from there. And I don't think he told everybody everything that he did. I think he's, you know, probably to blame for a lot more murders that we don't know about and just never came up. He was never caught for him. Mm -hmm. And since he wasn't caught for him, he never said anything about it. So you don't say anything. There you go. 
Yeah. So, and he was pretty open with telling police everything, well, supposedly that he had done and giving details, but like you're saying, that doesn't necessarily mean that he revealed everything if it wasn't brought up to him. So that's actually one of the theories that we're going to talk about. I don't know if it'll be next episode. It might be the episode after that, but that's going to be an episode um, that Brad's going to kind of lead his Jeffrey Dahmer theory about maybe he killed somebody that, that we don't know about. And I'm excited to hear your theory. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go on this one at some other point. But yeah, I there's a few ideas out there that Jeffrey Dahmer could be blamed for a couple cold cases that have you know gone down, and one that's actually not a cold case. It was apparently solved because somebody confessed to. I'm air quoting this whole entire thing. Someone confessed to what <laughs> the murder, even though they weren't in the same state at the time. But yeah, there's a couple other things about Dahmer that we can go over. There's a lot of interesting stuff about him. Yes, but this should lay the groundwork for you guys to kind of really understand the type of person that Dahmer is um, so that when we bring him up later, you kind of have a better understanding of him and his childhood and everything. And and then we'll really be able to judge Brad's mm-hmm. theory. So if you want to share your Dahmer thoughts or if you'd like to suggest a true crime case or podcast or topic for the show, you can comment right here in SoundCloud or on Pure Fandom on the article where you can also find this podcast episode and you can also catch us on Twitter. I'm at Lindy L I N D I R Smith and Brad is at Brad Z B. And of course you can find pure fandom on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just type it in, do a search. It'll pop up. There you go. And we want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And we really hope that you enjoyed these, I guess, not so fun facts about Dahmer. And until next time, This is Brad and Lindy, and you have been listening to Pure Murders and Mysteries. That's it for this episode. Head on over to purefandom.com for more awesome content.